This episode of The Tiny Revolution is supported by the Clumsy Bloggers Workshop. If you're a blogger or somebody who has always wanted to tell their story to impact others, this is for you. In this eight-week class, learn everything you need to know about blogging, social media, personal marketing, and a ton of other awesome tricks that will help you succeed on the internet. Find your voice, reach new readers, and yes, even make your blog look amazing. Visit ClumsyBloggers.com to get started and use promo code BEDLAM for 10% off at checkout. That's B-E-D-L-A-M for 10% off at checkout. From the Bedlam Podcast Network, this is a tiny revolution, celebrating our everyday victories while having the conversations and telling the stories that actually matter. I'm Kevin Garcia. Hello, everybody. How we doing? Hope you're having a good Monday or whenever you're listening to this. I hope your weekend was great. I hope your life is going decently. I really do. Uh, Welcome to A Tiny Revolution. This is episode four, and this week I am bringing you part two of Decent Advice with Kevin and Amelia, where we're tackling your relationship and love questions, because obviously, as a chronically single man, I know so much about it. (laughs) Um, I also, uh, later in the podcast, I'm going to be talking with transgender activist, fitness model, mindfulness guru, Aiden Dowling. Um, if you don't know who he is, you should go Google him right now. So you can be like, oh my gosh, he's so cool. Um, anyways, that conversation was like amazing. We talked for an hour and a half, so I'm not going to throw all of that at you, but I am going to throw a good chunk at you, metaphorically speaking. To throw something at you in the physical would be a little difficult because I don't know where you are. You could be driving. You're probably driving. I don't know. Anyways, I wanted to give you a couple updates. Um... The gig in Santa Barbara is actually happening. Yes, I am going to be going to Santa Barbara on October 12th for an event that is happening there. I will be posting all the information on my blog as well as sending a, um, what is it called? A newsletter out to all of my subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed to my blog yet, go to thekevingarcia.com slash subscribe and you can pick up my ebook while you're there and you'll get up-to-date information about all the crap I'm doing which is just great. I think that covers all of the things I've got going on right now. So this week, again, I'm bringing you part two of a conversation between me and my friend Amelia, because last week we started answering your questions around love, dating, relationships, because us being single and screwing it up a lot, we've we've learned a few things. So maybe we're making our, uh, you're gaining from our pain, which is a very Christian thing to think, right? That's... That's, uh, that's a different blog entirely, isn't it? Okay, moving on. Um, here it is, part two of Decent Advice with Kevin and Amelia. Um, how do you keep, communi- the, keep communication between the time of setting the date and then actually going on the date without using up all the talking points in the in-between time? Okay, so like I think that the scenario is like, you match or talk on like a dating app and then you're talking, talking, talking. And then like, how do you keep it fresh when you actually get to the date? Um, don't have, this is my personal strategy when it comes to dating apps. Cause I will say like, I'm on the dating apps world. Um, no shame in it. There Uh, is not any shame at all. No, there's no condemnation in Christ. He is free. He is free indeed. Hallelujah. That's right there Mm. on my arm. Mm. Um, 
I try to set up in-person meetings as quickly as possible. If I know that I can carry, like, a little bit of a conversation with a person over text messaging or messaging on an app, then I I know I could probably talk to them in person. Um, So just say, hey, do you want to go get coffee or dinner or a drink? And then I just go there, and that way I I set it up within 48 hours. um, And then I just kind of wait. And if they stick to the plan, then I go see them. And if they don't, then... No harm, no foul. So your advice is to actually limit conversational texting until you meet in person. Is that what I'm hearing? I think it can help. Like, if you're worried about running out of talking points. But for me, I could talk about anything. Right. And so I think you the advice is being asked for perhaps a person who doesn't have the social... Um, Prowess? Yes, as you. Mm. Because you, Kevin Garcia, can talk to a wall. It's true. Uh, and uh, Among other inanimate objects for an <laughs> extended period over there. of time. Exactly. And so for the person who maybe that's a little more challenging for, I think that's who we're thinking mm-hmm. of. Um, then that's what I would say to them. It's just like, go meet them in person so that if you're worried about running out of talking points, you still have them. Mm-hmm. Or you can even feign... That you don't remember certain things. Or elaborate on things you've already talked about. That's what I was going to say, was ask follow-up questions. And Mm. so, for example, if you asked somebody what they did, and they said, oh, you know, I... I'm a nurse. Yeah, I'm a nurse at this hospital. What you can do is ask them, like, you know, did you always want to be a nurse? And let's say you've already had that conversation. When you're in person, you can say, I know we already talked about this. Um, Mm -hmm. but will you tell me again? Because hearing it in person changes. Yeah. There's a whole lot that you're not going to get over text message that you're going to get in person, like certain nuances, certain, you know, inflections in the voice that will, um, I think can prompt better and more interesting questions. Yes. Yeah. I guess what I've learned is that not everybody has this like skill set to mm-hmm. be in uh, ongoing conversation. In fact, I've been in a variety of scenarios, and I think you could also uh, say this mm-hmm. is true, where you feel essentially like you're interviewing the person. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and then it doesn't feel like an authentic conversation. Right. It's like an interrogation. Right, because they don't have, you know, that, that particular skill set to be mm-hmm. able to ask questions back. This is something we learn how to do. And... In that way, I think, you know, it can be said, like, you're not alone, <laughs> right. you know, in that. But, again, I think asking people to follow up with answers you've already received, to say more about them, and to sort of flesh out whatever their response was. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, like, you said this, but could you tell me more about that? Yeah, that's good. Taryn asks, is it possible to have an authentic dating relationship using dating apps like Tinder, etc.? Yes. Yeah. Short answer, yeah. I mean, it is what you make of it. If you go into it saying, like, I'm looking to be in a long-term relationship and to meet somebody for the purposes of that, then yes. The end. Yeah. I think that question, though, comes from the place of dating apps having been stigmatized historically. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Un- until the last several years, you know, the rise of uh, OkCupid, Tinder, Bumble, like, these types of things... 
uh, you only were on those apps if you were creeping. And <laughs> creeping. And that is no longer the case. The way that technology has evolved has put us in a position where it uh, is, by and large, the MO you know, of our generation to um, connect with people uh, through those platforms. And so any you know, sense of like a, a disingenuous behavior like is true on the dating apps, but it's also true independent of the dating apps, mm-hmm. right? Like this is just true of like human connection and human relationship. You are often going to find in an authenticity, no matter how seemingly organic, you know, your mm-hmm. initial connection is. And so I don't blame that on the apps. I blame that on... <laughs> The wily human spirit. The wily human spirit. This person asks, this is from Instagram, Lenny XD um, says, why does it seem like my choice is, <laughs> conversely, why does it seem like my choice is to meet someone at a bar or meet someone on Tinder? Where have all the queers gone? Great question. I don't know. They're out there. I guess, like, I guess it also depends on where you live. Because if yes. you live somewhere like Atlanta... You can go just go out to Midtown. You can go to like Yoga at the Park. You can, any assortment of like, you know, queer friendly spaces or like coffee shops, bookstores, um, kickball leagues. Right. Um, Here's what I recommend: is getting involved in the activist community yes. because there are then events that actually bring together LGBTQ people to rally around something bigger than themselves and bigger than dating. And usually, even if those aren't currently your values and um, you know you are not necessarily interested in like engaging politically, this is not the place and time for me to uh, chastise you. Uh, but, uh, to hear more about like the history of our community and like what is presently facing us, Mm -hmm. uh, I think will be a valuable experience and you will meet other LGBTQ people who, even if you're not interested in them, LGBTQ people have other LGBTQ friends Mm -hmm. and those friends have other LGBTQ friends. You're just growing a network of humans. Exactly. And so that is at wherever you live to whatever degree LGBTQ advocacy groups are present, get connected with them, volunteer and learn about what the movement is looking like in your local context. Mm. That's where the queers are. Where have all the queers gone? All the, all the very interesting and I think more thoughtful queers are definitely in the advocacy The movers scene. and the shakers. And you don't want to be with someone who's not a mover or a shaker. Nope. You are a mover and shaker. You shake it all the time. Go find someone else who's shaking at the same rhythm as you. And <laughs> begin that dance together. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to do one last cue. This was fun. I think we might have to... We'll do this again sometime. Because I feel, I feel smart. <laughs> I don't feel smart. I, as soon as things come out of my mouth, I think like, ah, actually, I would like to revisit that. I'm the exact opposite. Everything I say is just like, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, Josh Page 87 on Instagram asks, uh, he had three questions. The first one was literally, how do we do this? Answer, don't know. <laughs> don't know how to do this. Honor God, honor each other. Boom. There you go. You have the answer. And then, yes, another one, but it kind of like goes into the third one. So I, we're just going to do that one. Um, and that has a whole paragraph. So it says, there is not a guarantee that God will bring a forever love into our lives. True. How do we patiently wait, but also have peace that it may 
never actually happen. And furthermore, how can we see that as a part of God's plan when we so badly want to be connected to someone and share our lives with someone? Does God really give us the desires of our heart when they might not be what God sees best for our lives? Oh, there's a couple of like presuppositions that we have to talk about here. Well, what I would really like to lift up uh, mm-hmm. is the question at the beginning. How do we patiently wait but also have peace that it may never actually happen? I think that presupposes that like pay, like peace can't is not present in patiently waiting. Mm. That if you're waiting, you don't have peace, mm. right? And I don't think that's true. I think you can experience peace in the midst of waiting. And I think what that brings into question for me, or at least, um, you know, into mind, rather, mm-hmm. is the difference between expectation and hope. Right. And it is one thing to hope, right? And it is one thing to um, experience a longing for intimacy and for connection. And it is another thing to expect that that is going to manifest in uh, covenantal marriage, Mm -hmm. right? As though we are entitled, as though that is um, the the best design for our lives. You see, in terms of probability, um, it is likely, I think, that most people do end up in some sort of like companionship mm-hmm. shit companionship 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 uh scenario <laughs> you can just take what you're saying oh. i promise i'm not bitter <laughs> <laughs> whoops um it is likely that most people end up in some sort of companionship scenario mm-hmm. uh however Uh, I think most of the messages we've received around this are that, you know, your value and your worth come directly uh, from the fact of being made in the image of God and existing Mm -hmm. in this relationship. But that uh, I think sometimes uh, really undermines the fact that we are relational and we do seek to be in intimate connection Mm -hmm. with one another. And so I think to practically respond to the question of waiting patiently and like having peace and these sorts of things, uh, a person needs to really be uh, pouring themselves into forming friend- significant friendships, right? spiritual friendships, mm-hmm. if you will, and being a part of community in a way where they're not just saving up, you know, all their good stuff for their romantic partner, but mm. they're giving of themselves and sacrificing yeah. for friends who they don't necessarily experience a romantic mm. connection with, but they are choosing to commit themselves to for life. I yeah. think that that's how you uh, wait well mm-hmm. and you get to experience peace and making mm. yourself um, really like available and mm. emotionally available. And I think in terms of your time and your energy available to other people and uh, that's not going to take away your longing mm-hmm. for romantic connection, you know, partnership. It's not going to take away the loneliness we experience. Because that's going to be a lifelong thing. Exactly. Uh, but it is going to make that time, you know, more meaningful. You mm-hmm. know, it is going to make it more valuable. And I think that's like a good question to always ask ourselves is like, where are we receiving love? How are we giving love? And in what ways can we redirect that outside of 
the exclusive like end, mm. you know, of romantic partnership. Yeah. I read a blog about this one time actually, about how oftentimes like we are we're kind of like waiting around for Mr. or Miss Wright to just come along and like fix everything and like then I'll be happy. But the thing about it is is that the person that we want is probably not going to be looking for us in the sad singles group where we're just sitting around praying for our mighty Boaz. I want my partner to find me out doing what I'm meant to do, like already working in my calling, already serving my community in the ways that I'm passionate about and gifted in. What I'm trying to say is like you need to be rolling towards your own destiny. And then eventually it's kind of like what we said in the beginning. You're going to see somebody, you're going to find somebody who is rolling towards the same destiny you are with the same kind of commitment towards the same prize, um, who shares the same values and probably likes the same foods and movies and all those sort of Sicily things that you do or not. Either way, I think peace comes when we're just operating who we were created to be. That can happen outside of, and that does happen outside of another person. Because if you're looking towards marriage to be your end goal, to be your end purpose, you're going to end up disappointed. I think that... The last question here, does God really give us the desires of our heart when they may not be what he sees best for our lives? So a few things about that. Hmm. One, uh, that idea, does God give us the desires of our heart? That God gives us the desires of our heart. That comes out of Proverbs, Mm -hmm. which is wisdom literature, which means that it's not a doctrine. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a part of like Christian orthodoxy to believe that. And in fact, there are like counter uh, currents that suggest that like actually our hearts are like wicked and deceptive above all else Mm -hmm. and that depravity actually limits if not makes impossible uh, our ability to discern what is actually good for us etc etc this is not a conversation about theology specifically Mm -hmm. but um, again I think it is important to both affirm the longing you know in ourselves for companionship while still being like really clear that there is so much meaning in forming community mm-hmm. with people who aren't, you know, our prospective partner. Yeah. That we should be giving ourselves away, uh, our love away, not ourselves, our love away to people um, without the intention to, you know, acquire, you know, mm-hmm. their partnership non-acquisitive love that is mm-hmm. what i've heard it called before that's good uh but i do know um that there's a lot you can be doing with your time right now and yeah. that doesn't mean you on principle reject dating it doesn't mean that you delete all the apps but i do think there needs to be more intentionality on all of our parts to really pour into community and form lifelong friendships mm-hmm. yeah i think that that's like the biggest theme I've heard about through like all the things we've talked about just now is that more than anything, like more than like waiting on the right person, more than like the trying to seek out dating and whatnot, it's really important that you are finding your people, you know, your tribe, your community, the people that you want to do life with. Because I have found it immensely helpful since moving to Atlanta that I found like my core group of friends, my people who, you know, challenge and like, and like, not just like a people I hang out with or just people I go to church with, but like people who challenge me to be better. Hmm. Um, people who ask me the tough questions and people who will also, um, when I come to them with, you know, 
what I could we could call screw ups or whatever is that they get they they don't judge me for it and they don't condemn me for it, but they they just spur me on towards Jesus more, and so I think that more than anything else, that's what you need. It, you know, dating is cool and you know partnership is delicious and fun, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to stand on your own two feet um, before you're ever going to be able to support somebody else. That was part two of Decent Advice with Kevin and Amelia. And I think next week I actually am going to be bringing you a new segment called The Quarter Life with Paige and Kevin. Or maybe just The Quarter Life, but me and my friend Paige are getting on the Skype line to talk about the quarter life crisis. So I think you're going to enjoy that one for all you uh, midlife crises out there. I think they're called millennials. I don't know. Apparently I am one. Anyways, um, once again, this podcast is supported by the Clumsy Bloggers Workshop. If you are a blogger or somebody who has always wanted to tell their story to impact others, this is for you. It's an eight-week course, and in there you're going to learn everything you need to know about blogging and social media, personal marketing, personal marketing, like speaking well on the air, (laughs) Uh, and a a ton of other awesome tricks to help you succeed online. You're going to find your voice, you're going to reach new readers, and yes, you're going to make your blog look sexy AF. So visit clumsybloggers.com to get started and use promo code BEDLAM, that's B-E-D-L-A-M, for 10% off at your checkout. Clumsy Bloggers Workshop, because most of us don't know what we're doing. I also want to say I made up that tagline, so if, uh, Micah, you don't like that, I'm, I'm sorry. Micah does know what he's doing. He really created something beautiful with this, so personal endorsement from me to Micah and to the Clumsy Bloggers Workshop. Go get it. You're going to love it. You've got nothing to lose. Okay, now we're on to part two of the podcast where I talk to a new friend every week. And this week I had the pleasure of sitting down with uh, someone I've had a friendship crush on for like a long time and kind of like a real life crush for like forever. Uh, I first heard his name when he was making history as the first transgender man to be in the running to make the cover of Men's Health. And I'm like, oh my God, who is this? And uh, then I got to meet him in real life at the Philly Trans Health Conference a few months ago, and uh, the rest is history, really. His name is Aiden Dowling. He is a transgender activist and a social entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, a fitness lover, a husband, and he travels all over the country sharing his stories, uh, the wisdom he's picked up along the way, and he is also a vocal advocate for trans lives on social media, especially through his YouTube channel, which is called A Lion's Fear. Ian Dallin is also the owner and proprietor of Point5CC.com. Anyways, this is my conversation with Aiden Dowling. Hope you like it. Also, again, a note about the audio. There was some work being done on my house the day this was being recorded, so you're going to hear a little bit of construction noise. I'm so sorry about that, but enjoy. Okay, so Aiden Dowling... Yes. Founder of Point Five CC, fitness model, um, a uh, trans activist, husband, um, human being. Did I miss anything? Yeah. Um, YouTuber. YouTuber. I did. That'd miss be that. like the one extra, the one extra thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
multi-passionate as uh, Marie Forleo. I don't know if you listen to her, but multi-passionate. Uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, multi-passionate entrepreneur, she calls herself. And I've kind of adapted that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it's like, you couldn't just put it in one box. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, what do you do? Hmm. Well, what did I do today? Yeah. Or what do I do? <laughs> it's like, that's a lot of things. Yeah. I'm really just trying to inspire the masses. Exactly. In whatever way that kind of uh, develops and whatever form that takes in the day, you know. Mm-hmm. Give me the, the, the snapshots. Snapshots. All right. So uh, my name is Aiden Dowling. I just turned 29, the lovely last year of my 20s, which I will be uh, trying to live that up as much as possible. Um, and uh, so I was born and raised Long Island, New York, till I was 23. You don't have a northern uh, accent, though. Like, like long, no. I was like, uh, every time I hear Long Island, I always expect to hear, I'm from Long Island. Long Island. Hey, I'm from Long Island. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an Italian Long Island uh, person uh but uh at the same time like my family was uh we were more in the middle of the island and the closer you get to the city that's where that accent comes from Mm, and plus i think because i've been living you know so i i lived there till i was 23 and then i lived in florida for three years Mm -hmm. then i moved back to new york for a year and then i've been living in oregon for three years so i have been away for like you know six seven ish years but when I go back home and visit, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, water and give me some coffee and you know what I mean? Oh, it's the same thing. I'll go visit like my family. Like we're all – like I live in Georgia, but like being in Atlanta, it's a little bit insulated. But like mm-hmm. I go out to like the boonies in like Calhoun, Kentucky where my um, my cousins all live and it's like right back to talking about Vegas. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all ready for church yet? Yeah. Y'all yeah. eating yet? You need to eat exactly. something? You need a sandwich? Yep. Yep. That's yep. exactly what happens when I go back home. So yeah, I was born and raised there. Um, I uh, I came out as a lesbian uh, to like myself when I was about like thirteen, but mm-hmm. I didn't come out publicly until I was in eleventh grade. So that's like uh, sixteen or seventeen. Mm-hmm. So when I came out to my mother and um, my father and stuff like that, and then I hit the I went to college, um, a community college. I felt very lost in college. I did very poorly. And um, I think it was mostly because I was discovering that uh, my identity, my gender identity was not the one that I uh, I thought I I was identifying with, which was a lesbian. I identified, I self-identified as a butch lesbian. Um, I wore men's clothing. I was very uh, masculine in the lesbian world. And I dated very feminine uh, lipstick lesbians, as you may call them. Oh, we do. And, Yep. Yep. And, uh, so I realized at like around the year of 2021 that I just didn't fit in with the lesbian crowd that I was hanging out with. Um, it it was more than just like, Oh yeah, I'm a female that likes other females. And it felt a lot deeper than that. It felt more about my identity than my actual sexual preference, Mm -hmm. which is what I feel like when I came out as a lesbian, it was more about my sexual preference, my sexual preference. And then as I got a little older and more comfortable with that preference of, you know, um, my sexuality, I think all of a sudden I realized like, why do I, why do I still feel weird? Like, why does this, like the word lesbian, why does like, why does this not feel quite like me, you know? Mm, Doesn't quite settle. Yeah. Yeah. It it was like, you know, it felt like A plus B equaled C. And I agreed because I saw the equation and I saw, you know, the dynamics, female plus female equals lesbian. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, smart math right there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's some LGBT math. And, um, (laughs) 
but you know, it just, it didn't equal, it didn't feel like, you know, equaled C, but like C didn't feel feel like me. So that's kind of when I started discovering more of my, my actual identity, like this self discovery, which I think a lot of people can relate to. If you, you know, going to college in those college years, you really like discover yourself, right. You get really passionate about things. And I was too, but I realized that, you know, my discoveries were not in college. They weren't in these groups. It was really just me by myself, you know, in my room or writing, um, like in my diary or whatever. Um, and that's kind of when I realized that things didn't match up and I just felt disconnected with the body that I was in. And about a year or so of feeling like that, um, my, uh, the person I was dating at the time, she had a best, a gay best friend whose cousin was a transgender man. Mm -hmm. And one day she asked me just kind of flat out. I remember we were driving home from the movies and she just turned to me and was like, you know, have you ever thought like, you ever think you want to be a, a man, like a guy? You ever think that you wanted to be a boy? Like if you could be a boy, would you kind of? Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like thrown off by the question. And I was like, God, I don't really know where this is coming from. Like, you know, I don't, I didn't at the time, you know, this was in like 2008, 2009, right? Mm-hmm. Like right around like the Christmas of 2008 turning into 2009. Cause I came out as transgender to myself and my friends and stuff in February, March of 2009. Mm -hmm. So it was like 2008. And the only, you know, when you think of the word transgender in 2008, oh my gosh, that was like almost 10 years ago. That's crazy. Um, When you think of the word transgender, it was just like, I just thought of drag queens. I mean, I really just thought of drag queens. I thought of men transitioning into women. That's Mm -hmm. what I thought of, you know. Um, I didn't even, like, it didn't even occur to me that it could be the other way, like, Mm-hmm. women turning into men like it just it didn't occur to me because it's not yeah of course it's was not a, visible yeah it wasn't visible I wasn't exposed to it you know I was very you know I was active in going to gay clubs I was active in the the lesbian scene the LGBT mm-hmm. scene I went to gay prides you know I was living in New York so of course yeah, I was like, going yeah I was going to New York City pride like as early I think the first pride I ever went to was when I was 16 years old wow and, um, yeah, I went, I went like knowing I was gay, but like kind of like in the bisexual stage, I was like, well, I'm kind of bisexual, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like girls, but only these, this one girl or that one girl, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, I was exposed to, I was exposed to a lot, you know, growing up in New York, you know, living on Long Island is so eclectic in all mm-hmm. of what, in everything. Um, it's really a hub for all types of individuals. So, um, I was exposed to a lot, but transgender, especially transgender men and transgender women, I mean, they weren't represented. They weren't, like you said, they weren't visible. Me and my girlfriend at the time, her best friend's cousin, and he was a transgender man. And oddly enough, he's still like my best friend to this day. Mm -hmm. And he helps me with my company, 0.5cc. And, you know, I met him and we had just like, we just met for a couple of hours. And, you know, I just kind of asked him about what he was going through, how he felt. And once I realized that Um, Not even the appearance, really, but once I realized that this guy was really literally felt like he was taking words out from my mouth and and spitting them out, like my emotions, he was finding the words for these emotions Mm -hmm. that I I couldn't find words for. And uh, and that's when I really was like, you know, it kind of like hit me. It was like, wow, like I'm I really I think that this like what he's saying, I can't deny these things that he's saying, like I feel all these things which were like you know he was saying how like you know he just felt uncomfortable going into the women's restroom and he felt like 
you know, whenever it was like, oh, boys on this side and girls on this side, like he always wanted to go to the boys side and he didn't know why it was just like, you know, it's just like you close your eyes, you say boys on one side, girls on the other. And he just was going to where he felt he should be going, you know? Yeah. Like it was just like a very natural, you know, like this is where I go. And, um, you know, just relating on that sense, the, the feeling of like wearing clothing that was feminine and how it made him feel and compared to wearing masculine clothing. Mm. And then the desire, um, he had just started his, his hormone treatment. So he was mm. like in a year and, you know, his desires to get the removal of his breasts and mm. his desires to, um, you know, just have a more masculine shape. I mean, you know, uh, at the end of the day, like biologically, you know, I believe in there's like a sex and then there's a gender, right? Of course, yeah. Like, right? So like biologically, our sex was not meeting up with our gender. So, you know, he was just being able, again, he was able to find the words that I I didn't really know the vocabulary of because I had never met or been able to express or been been given a platform to express my actual feelings, right? So I think a lot of people think like, oh, well, you know, you just, you must've saw a picture of a man and wanted to be like that. And it's like, well, you know, of, of course, right. Like, of course mm. I want my gender to, uh, reflect when I look in the mirror, you know, I don't want to feel like a man and then see, a uh, uh, the sex of a female looking back at me. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, at the same time, it was like, yes, I want to look like a man, but it's more about, I want to feel like a man. I want to, mm. and I want to have the, the permission to feel like a man, if that makes sense, right? No, it makes total sense. You know, a lot of people say, like, and I agree with this, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you you know, you chose to be transgender, or you chose to be gay, or you chose to be a lesbian, God. right? Right? Yeah, yeah, I always laugh at that. But I always do say, like, listen, I didn't choose to be transgender, but I will say that I woke up one day and I made a choice to live my life authentically. Mm. And when I came out as transgender, yes. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, I, and you can relate, you know, like Absolutely. You, you wake up one day and you say, I can't take this shit anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'm done lying or I'm done hiding. I'm done, you know, and you really choose, you choose your life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's when I say like, I, I am transgender, but I chose to live my life. Mm. that day and that's when i came out as transgender Oof. you know what I, mean? I chose to live my life that day yeah oh i the thing you said of just like one day i just knew what i had to do because mm-hmm. like it was the same thing for me i woke up one day and i'm like i'm gonna do this this afternoon like i just <laughs> i just okay. know it and it was because of the same thing like you said i i met people who gave me permission to be myself mm-hmm. in a way and also like it's that strange realization also that you already have permission. Like, yeah. <laughs> like God gives you permission. The universe gives you permission to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And how many of us, like, we just don't ever, like, take God up on that offer, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because I think, like, that's really what we're supposed to be doing is being ourselves. You know, like, I, I really... What a concept. Believe... What a concept. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really believe that, you know, I'm the, the person who also believes with many other people, but... That, like, we all have, like, a special ability in mm-hmm. life. You know what I mean? We all have something that's really unique to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that we all have something that can only be done the way that we do it. And that's yes. it. I think that's, like, this, like, a lot of people, they get really bent out of shape or just, like, they they don't ever begin, like, whatever oh. it is they're supposed to be doing because it's like, oh, well, 
there's already a lot of like trans YouTubers out there talking about trans issues on mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. I don't need to be doing that. I said, true, there are. There might be a slew of them, but mm-hmm. they're not saying what you are exactly saying. People think that they have to be like oh so unique. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they have to have some new story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like it's like they're seeking like validation from you know whoever the potential audience is like rather mm-hmm. than like there are already a ton of like you know gay christian bloggers or podcasters out there but it's it doesn't matter like no. you know just like if i'm seeking if i'm doing the thing because i want other people to like it you're doing it for the wrong reason and yes. that's like the big thing like if you're because if I, that's something i kind of experience and like why i actually like backed off from youtube it's because like if I did it, I knew that I would want to be like all the other YouTubers I see and admire. Mm-hmm. And so I backed out and now I'm doing this because like here is like it feel more natural to you to do this. So much better. Dude. Mostly mm. because like I'm not worried about how my face looks. <laughs> um, and it's more conversational, which I yeah. which I like. I'm always about story and storytelling. So this is so much easier. And oh, I think yeah. that's the thing. Like, If you can just find your groove, like mm. and you'll know when you hit it. Like, oh, yeah. like once you're in the flow of who you were created to be, it's like all these things line up. I mean, a lot of people ask me like, oh, how how can I get started on YouTube? And it's like it's very everyone gets started the same way. You make a video and you post it. You know, you pick a name, you make a video, you post it, you know. But like there was like, oh, well, how do you get views? And it's like you don't get views like you don't have it. When you make a YouTube channel, you don't have a choice of how many views people are going to have. Mm-hmm. They're either going to watch it or they're not, right? And I think we're in a time period where, like, people can really tell when you're faking it to make Oh, my it. God, yeah. People know. People are like, listen, I, you know, people are like, he looks like he's trying really hard. I'm not going to watch this because it's inauthentic because we're really living, you know, people think that, like, authenticity, oh, it's such a buzzword, but it's really, like, I really, truly believe that we're coming into a new age of thinking mm. and a new age of just consciousness. People are, um, especially with the internet these days, I think uh, projection is, like, a really intense uh, thing that people do. So, like, you know, you project your failures mm. or your fears or even your successes on people, right? Like, mm. um, you know... Uh, I'm always projecting onto other people the fact that, like, listen, I did it and I didn't have a magic pill or, like, an angel didn't come from above and, and, you know, clear the way for me. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, and so my projection is, like, if I can do it, then you can definitely do it. Like, let me just tell you that, right? But And that's the thing also is, like, being – and maybe you experience, I'm sure you experience this, like, is like, you are a very public figure. You were on Ellen and your uh, men's health – like, mm-hmm. all these different things. So people look at you and they assume 20,000 things about you automatically. Oh, yeah. All day. All day long. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, just not too recently, uh, I mean, not too long ago, um, my wife got an email from somebody, like, to her email address from her company. And it was talking about me. And, like, you know, it was just very negative things. But, like, all generally, like, all she could write back was, like, you don't even really know him that's all she wrote back and then you know like signed and sent out right because that's like the truth right like we only there's only what you have to show right like you know that's why like you know i think and a lot of people talk about this like i think a lot of people are are consciously aware that 
listen, when, you know, Facebook and Instagram, they're highlight reels, right? Mm. Like it's the best moment of that day. It's the best selfie I took out of all 25 I took. You know what Mm. I mean? It's the best lighting in my house out of uh, however many square foot you have or whatever, Mm. right? Um, But I think like what, I think a lot of people are aware of that, but they're not actually conscious of that, right? So they're aware that like when they're flipping through their screen, they're like, oh yeah, I know that that's what they say, but they still compare. But they're still like, well, my best picture doesn't look like their best picture or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I went through that a lot. Like I like jealousy is my biggest struggle in life. And so like I, I oftentimes have to catch myself and then figure out how I can be this person's cheerleader so that like it flips, it flips the energy in there. Totally. Um, I remember like there was, it was back in the day when I was like hell bent on being a pastor um, and it was like probably shortly before I came out, like I was following all these different people. I was like, damn, like you do CrossFit and you're a pastor of this church and you've written a book and you're raising three kids and your spouse is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like, like how are you doing all of these different things and your Instagram is false. But then like, there's like, I'm just like, they must be stressed out as hell. Yeah. Like, because yeah. Like, and I think that's the other thing too, is just like consciously, I think like when you point that out to people, they understand, oh yeah, of course this person has like bad days or normal days. Which I, which I also appreciate that about you. It's like the other day you posted something on Instagram. You were just like, this is a shitty day. I don't know what I'm doing with my company <laughs> yeah. or my, I want a better relationship with my body. Yeah. And I was like, way yeah. to go. Way to go, bro. Yeah. That was a, yeah, thank you. I, uh, I definitely will say that um, I feel like for me, transparency is like the most important key role. Like mm-hmm. I want people to know that I have like really shitty days so that they could see like oh last week he had a shitty day but this week he's having a good day and then it's like yeah because you know we go through ups and downs and like everyone you know like i don't i guess what i I don't want is i don't i want people to be conscious when they're looking at my instagram i want people to know what i mean like that this is what goes on you know what i mean and that these are the real feelings that i have and that i'm not just gonna have a bad day and post a good a good selfie of me smiling and be like conquer your fears right because like i don't feel like that today i feel like crap and like i don't want to conquer my fears i want to like eat a tub of ice cream watch netflix and pass out at 6 p.m it's beautiful you know what i mean like that's what i want to do today you know exactly and sometimes like if you don't say these things people will assume like you said like because i do it too i have people that I, i follow on instagram and they're like my wife will be like listen you can interview the person but she's always like i want to interview the partner of that person that's what she'll always tell me. She'll be like, you know, I want to interview that guy's wife or that girl's girlfriend because I don't truly believe everything they're saying. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because that's the person who's going to have the rawness for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're going to have the when someone is having a really bad day or when they're, you know, feeling like crap. And they're going to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, see, when they posted this picture, well, actually, you know, we were we were fighting in the middle of that picture of the two of us smiling or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like something like that, you know? Um, I mean, I never do that because, again, like, I I really, I I was going to say, could you just bring your wife into the room and I'll uh, I'll, (laughs) I'll finish up the interview with her. Yeah, (laughs) Gay white men are terrible. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) I say that as a, uh, that's, that's a little bit more of a blanket statement. The commodified version of LGBT looks like white gay men, cisgender men, and... Oftentimes, it's like there is a type, 
And I remember um, one of my friends, I started, like, after I came out, like, I got a membership to a gym, and I was going, like, every single day, even though, like, I had no time for, like, my writing or anything else that I was doing. Your passion. Yeah. (laughs) And it was exhausting, and I was, like, you know, I was losing weight, and I was, you know, starting to see some differences, and my friend asked me, like, we're sitting over a coffee, that I'm drinking black coffee, because heaven forbid I put any, you know... Sugar creamer in, right? Yeah, and she says, Kevin, do you think that your drive to get fit is because you see this projection of what, you know, the gay community says is acceptable and you're lining, trying to line yourself up with that? And I I denied it to her face until later that night I'm sitting there, um, like, in the car outside the gym, and I'm just like... I don't want to fucking do this. Like every time I go in here, I hate myself. And, Mm -hmm. and so I kind of, I was like my personal journey with like my body is like, I'm learning how to just love it. I'm not, if I don't love it for what it is now, I'm never going to love it for what it's going to be when I'm 20 or 30 pounds lighter or when I have, you know, more toned Mm -hmm. arms. And so like, I just stopped going for a while and now I'm running and I'm enjoying that because I actually, you know, I don't have to be around other people or compare myself to other people. So it's like, it's a slow journey, but just like, I'm, I think it's interesting, like, when we talk kindly to our bodies and say, like, hey, like, thank you for being here and thank you for Mm -hmm. housing my spirit and my heart and allowing me to do all the things. And so because I love my body now, I can make the choices that lead to better life. Yes, yes. Mm. No, and I definitely agree. I feel like there's definitely, and I can relate to that in the sense that when I first started um, you know, transitioning, I felt like I had to, I felt like I had to prove something to other people mm-hmm. because it was like, I wasn't really like, um, being clocked as like, you know, the gender that I identify. So I wasn't mm-hmm. being read to the everyday person when I was just going out as male. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, well, you know, um, not that I like wouldn't wear pink, right. I've always loved the color pink and stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, it was more like, uh, Okay, like I, I'm just I'm just gonna take on all the masculine roles in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, if there's a garbage to be taken out, I'm gonna be doing it. Oh, we're driving, I'll drive. Or mm-hmm. oh, like you know what I mean? Like I'll read the directions, or you know what I mean? Like trying to take like this this like masculine role. Um, luckily, I caught myself like within the first year of doing this because I feel like that's something that I was trying to prove to other people my own masculinity. Mm-hmm. But what I had to do was prove it to myself. You know what I mean? I had to prove to myself that, like, listen, Aiden, like, you don't have to do any of these quote-unquote masculine things, okay, to prove to other people that you're a man, all Mm -hmm. right? Like, and I feel like that first year of my journey was me figuring that out. You know what I mean? What does it mean to be a man? Yeah, exactly. And what does it mean to be Aiden the man? Not Mm. even just a man, but what does it mean to be the version of the man that I want to be? It's more about why. Why am I doing it? Because I want to move my body because I want to give myself a quiet time throughout my day where it's just me. You know what I mean? It's just me. And it's nobody else. And it's not the influence of the commenters on Instagram or on my YouTube or the emails I get or you know what I mean? It's just like a quiet time. And I feel like, you know, like you, I had to kind of reevaluate, like, Mm -hmm. why am I doing this again? And then find the unhealthiness of it and try to bring it back to the healthy part, Mm -hmm. right? Because I don't think looking at someone's body, you could tell if they're healthy or not. True. Like at all. Mm-hmm. Because I know plenty, plenty of people that you would look at and be like, that person is overweight. And I would be like, no, they're not. They can outrun you. They could mm-hmm. out everything you. They are fit as shit. You know what I mean? Like you just mm-hmm. think that in order to be fit and healthy, you have to have like 
a 12 pack and be able to see every single vein in your butt, you know what I mean? Like, and all these things, you know, and it's like, not really, you know? And so when I took the journey of men's health, I realized that like the, the second half of that journey, we met in August, like in person to see who would win for October. And I realized that from probably mid right after Ellen mm-hmm. all the way till October and even into maybe the end of the year because the the uh magazine came out in November mm-hmm. uh, I found myself trying to look like all these men on these covers of men's health right I found myself like watching way more what I was eating and carrying and I found myself looking in the mirror more and like, oh, well, what about this? Or grabbing this part of my body and being like, I don't like this part, right? And it was like, all of a sudden, I never I never did that before. You know what I mean? I, I went to the gym because it was like, it made me feel good. I loved the energy. It was like, you know, I got to listen to music and I got to push some, you know what I mean? Like, I got to get out there. And, but did it become know, like a thing just like, did you almost feel like I have a duty as like one, like as a trans man to be this beacon of hope like as like i have to be the pioneer for all these people because all these people are on my back totally totally i felt like all those people voted for me like seventy two thousand freaking votes is a lot of votes okay and you know like and i just felt like oh man like i've got to i've got to push for these people i've got to and and not just them but for myself right because my own skewed vision like i got my vision got blurry about what i was doing right it was more Mm. about like oh, well, people keep commenting on your abs or they keep commenting on your body, so you should probably focus more on that because that's what everyone else is focused on, right? And then it slowly, like, you know, um, it slowly turned into a job. It was like I was waking up and going to the gym because it was my job. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This was never a job before. I did it because I love it, because it's fun to me, because – Working out was the first thing that made me realize that if I put my mind to something and I keep up with endurance and, and, and you know, uh, showing up at that thing, whatever it is, right, working out was like the first thing that I was able to physically, like, literally see a change before my eyes and then realize that if I took all these things, being persistent and really, you know, coming in and doing the work, I realized that if I took those things and put them onto other aspects of my life, wow, holy shit, those things become true too, right? But like eating or, or, you know, if you're overweight or something, I I feel like fitness is the first thing that you could literally do for one week and you will see a result, you know what I mean, if you stick to it. So I feel like that's why so many people are into it right now because they're like, oh, well, I'm actively changing. And it's like, that's great. But if you take those same qualities and you would put them into your job or your love interest or your friends or your, your father relationship or your brother's relationship you know like you can change those things too right before your freaking eyes right yeah. it's got to like, be more of like it's like like it needs to be a holistic approach to your whole yes. life not just one thing because you can yes. have the body of adonis but just like if your heart is broken oh yeah and like you know that's the problem is that i found myself going and doing these things for other people and not for myself anymore People ask me, like, oh, what is being a man? And I'm like, listen, being a man is exactly what I think being a woman is, right? And I think that's integrity. I yes. think that's, you know what I mean? Like, I would I would never in a million years want to 
be preaching something that I myself am not actively working on or, mm. you know, trying to better myself at. Are you listening, Southern Baptist Convention? Are you listening? <laughs> That'll preach. Ugh. I mean, you know. Yeah. Let me let me switch gears on you real quick. Um, yeah. So how long have you and Jenny been together? So uh, we've been together since – we've been together for six and a half years. We got mm. m- together in January of 2010, and we got married in January of 2012. What's the secret? What's the secret to a happy marriage? <laughs> We are, like, so honest. So we're brutally honest with each other, Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, honest as in, like, we don't lie to each other. Like, Mm -hmm. there's never any um, lying unless it's, like, a gift or something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely agree with the concept of, like, not going to bed mad. So Mm -hmm. we will legit, like, sit. Like, that's that's my table right there. Like, we'll sit at the dining room table for hours upon hours not even fighting but like discussing and mm-hmm. trying to be conscious about how our actions make the other person feel and why they responded the way they feel or we'll say like listen i just want to say like my ego like doesn't like that you did this that and the third you mm-hmm. know what i mean or like and, and yeah that sounds all smooth and perfect but this is literally what we practice and what I mean, we like, I don't, like practice. i don't I don't want to sit at a table for two hours with anyone discussing anything. <laughs> Which See, is probably, yeah, this is probably why I'm not like, this is why uh, I'm not in a relationship right now. Guys, we've solved my issues. And, and, and every relationship is different, right? But I will say that, that that's been our, one of our keys is just talking a lot. And like the underlying layer is that like we both know that like we want to be together, right? So mm. we both know that we have to do what that's going to take to be together. And so, you know, I know that like, like, none of our fights have ever, ever even alluded to the thought of, like, even when we weren't even married, like, to breaking up. It was never like, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's never been even a thought. It was more like, okay, well, what other conversation do we have to have in order to progress past this? So, yeah, I mean, communication, communication, communication. I mean, that's pretty much – and I think, like, like you were saying, um, I think unless you're okay with yourself and you feel – like your feelings are like my feel. I always feel like my feelings are valid mm. no matter what, That's no good. matter what, like, even if what, even if you say something to me and you did not mean to offend me at all, like not even 1% of you was meant to be offensive or even mm. jokingly offensive. If I get offended, like I know that I'm a, Oh, I'm allowed to be offended even mm. if you didn't mean it. And I'm allowed to say like, Hey Kevin, you know, like I know you didn't mean it, but when you said this, that, and the third, I felt mm. like, I felt like, really bad about myself like you made me feel mm. like crap you know what yeah. i mean i had and that happen to me the other day at a at a creative event someone asked me oh, about yeah. my someone asked me about my work with the homosexuals uh-huh. and i was like <laughs> well it's 2016 and uh people don't really identify that way yeah but, yeah i mean but, and, but and that's and the thing is like it's i think along with like permission to do the thing you're here to do is like permission to feel all the feels oh, yeah yeah. God, if yeah. we if we could wrap our heads around just like you know, just like everything you're feeling is exactly what you're supposed to be feeling. Totally like valid. That, that could change so many people's worlds. Just like whatever it is, like because like oftentimes like we have been told and conditioned to say there's a proper way to respond to X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. But just like you know, sometimes like you know, you can't be. Uh, you know, I don't want to say like you can't be the bigger person, but it's one of those things where just like sometimes like if something hurts, like be real with it, whether it's like, 
the word somebody said to you or uh, a situation, how it's played out in your workplace, uh, a relationship, even a relation, especially the relationships that are older and more seasoned, you definitely mm. have to have more communication with those because like family, yeah. old friends from high school God. or you I could, go back I could, in the same patterns. Yeah. I feel like I could have like salvaged so many relationships from like mm. um, from my past if I was given permission to feel the things and express Mm-hmm. part of my anger but like you know you grew up in you know southern evangelical homes it's always mm-hmm. slap a smile on it and I, yeah i feel like i feel like something that like even the people listening and you and me and it doesn't matter what like level of of popularity you're at right no matter mm-hmm. what right i feel like the one thing that we were talking about before with like the the feeling of jealousy right mm-hmm. like that emotion of jealousy like i feel it you feel it like mm-hmm. you know we're open about it and i feel like um the first, the first step is, is, is realizing that you're jealous. Cause I think a lot of people won't even realize they're jealous. That's the first step. But then I think the, I think, I think, you know, that's hard enough for some people. Right. Mm-hmm. But the second step is the hardest part. And that's realizing that your jealousy is actually from you and mm-hmm. it's not from the other person. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. They, they're not the ones who shouldn't have posted a picture in their Lamborghini and they're not the person who shouldn't feel proud of their accomplishments. It's actually you. Why don't you feel good enough in your, where you are? Like, why can't you take a selfie in your apartment and feel really good about it? Just like this guy did in, in his, with his really nice car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's because you don't feel successful yourself. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the other person that you're projecting mm-hmm. your jealousy on. Yeah. Like they didn't do anything wrong and they didn't like tell you that you suck they didn't you know they were literally just just being themselves and doing what they're here to do exactly and you were just jealous of them and that's okay it's okay because that Mm -hmm. jealousy should be motivation you know what i mean it should be motivation to be like oh you know i want to get there you know what i mean but not like jealousy because what does jealousy turn into jealousy turns into self-hate because you think that you're not doing good Mm -hmm. enough yeah you know what i mean i think there was um it was Freud. Uh, I borrowed this idea from Elizabeth Gilbert, um, which I quote her all the damn time. She might as well just... Be, Liz, if you're listening, I want you on the podcast, by the way. Um, but she uh, brought up this Freud quote of, uh, there's no um, sexual fantasy that's too deprived to talk about. And she said, she said specifically, like, to talk about. Not, like, to act upon, because obviously, like, you know, there are certain... Uh, sexual acts that are like, you know, where you take away somebody's rights or their agency or whatnot. And those things should not be acted upon, but just like to speak it out loud, to stand in observance of it gives you power over those things. And I think it's the same thing with our emotions and feelings too. It's like, if I can admit to myself and be real with the fact that like, I get jealous of bloggers all the dang time. I get jealous of other humans I see doing really well. And if I can just say like, you know what? Jealousy exists in my person and I want what they have but that's okay. Like, I don't want to beat myself up for being human. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause like, and then once we like, once we like can stand in observance of jealousy or whatever it is, anger or frustration or sadness and depression, like whatever it is. And it's like, you know what? This does exist in my person. And sometimes like, I, you know, like I, I have a friend of mine who says like, I, I believe in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I need my meds. <laughs> I'm like, but that's the thing, like, if we could just stand in observance of all the things that we deem to be negative aspects of our personality mm-hmm. and just choose better, yeah, we, we could so, and it, it comes from training the mind, too, I think, because, oh, like, yeah. 
it's like it's not going to be perfect at first, and it's um, but it's it's constantly just reminding yourself that you're in process. Mm-hmm. And every single one of us are in process, and it's you will be okay. It's like the greatest yeah. truth in the universe. I think is that no matter yeah. what, you're going to be okay. I think a lot of it is from like you know we're just taught at such a young age that we're going to hit a time where we'll be grown up or well we're where oh my we'll gosh. The understand greatest lie. the greatest lie. Or, Yeah, like, you know, we just think that we'll hit this time where everything will fall into place. And it's like, unless you start actively, you know, taking all the pieces and putting them where they belong, you're never going to have that time. You know what I mean? You're going to you're going to be, you know, 34 years old. You're going to be talking to your parents or a a parental guardian or someone who is a parent to you. You know what I mean? And you're going to realize, like, wow, they don't have their shit together either. And they mm-hmm. didn't when I, when they, when I was a kid and they were this age either, you know, like, yes. You know, it, like it, I look at this. my, like I was talking to my mom the other day about like her twenties and she said, yeah, one time I didn't have any money for food and I didn't ask for help. And so I tried to make tomato soup with ketchup and water. I'm like, <laughs> mom, that's like, that is literally like some, some college frat shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. That is but like, that's know, like, and like that's the thing, just like my mom was twenty. My mom was twenty three years old at one point, and she didn't have it together either. Mm-hmm. And then like yeah. you know like, and I think it's so interesting like, just realizing that you know what, none of us do. We yeah, that, and that's yeah. I, I think that, that brings it full circle. It's just like yeah, it does. We it don't does. we don't have our shit together. We're trying to. We're getting it a little uh-huh. bit more together each day. But you know what. It's a constant process because some of it kind of slips out sometimes. Just shit oh, goes yeah. over there, shit goes everywhere, yeah. shit hits the fan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like, and and like you said, they're bringing full circle. I really feel like a lot of the times, what people like. So I'll use myself an example because I feel like I don't want to generalize, right? Of course. So I feel like personally, my journey in life is to my authenticity, mm-hmm. to finding to my integrity, to practicing what I preach, to, to being, you know, um, you know, the most authentic and happiest person I can be, right? Like, that's what my journey is. But like, I'm not there. And I don't, I would, I like to think that every day I'm getting closer to it, right? Mm -hmm. And I would like to, I don't want to say like, I'll probably never get there, right? Because that, that automatically puts a limitation on what my future could be, right? So what I want to say is, Every day I'm getting closer to it and I'm getting better at being authentic every single day. Mm-hmm. But ne- but that's why I preach it. That's mm-hmm. why I talk about it so much because I'm not there yet because I'm still learning. So I really feel like everybody, all the TED Talks you watch and all the people who are preaching whatever they're talking about, it's because they're still in the process of learning it because yeah. that's their journey. Their journey is to be authentic with everyone and say like, Hey, I'm still trying to do this. Like, I'm still trying to be like a, a good guy, whatever the hell that's supposed to be. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's I'm like still there's tr- this. The, it's like the uh, I had a professor who told me one time. She's like, "There's no arrival point for this." Like, it was like it's specifically to music education because that's what I studied in college. She's like, mm-hmm. "With music, there's no arrival point. It's not like you master how to sing in the Baroque style and then all of a sudden you're perfect. It's like if mm-hmm. you're a good musician, you're always going to be finding what the next thing is." Mm-hmm. And that's like a beautiful thing about embracing the journey of life is that like there is no arrival point. It's just like I'm going to conquer the mountain that is in front of me, and then beyond that, we're going to figure out what's next. Yeah, it doesn't end. It never. It doesn't stop. And that's yeah, the like, like, when you surrender yourself to that that thing. Just like yes, I am always going to be getting closer to 
the person I want to become and to my promised land. But after like when, like, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's the, the idea of going into a promised land is like very interesting and like something, again, I'm making biblical references cause that's my uh-huh. context, but uh-huh. I think it's almost just like, but when you get to the promised land though, too, you still got to work the land. You still got to build your home. You still got to build up your people and you still got to relate with other people in that space. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, mm-hmm. even if you get the thing you want to get, um, you got to realize that there's, there's going to be more to it. Oh it, yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying, like you can get there, but that doesn't mean everything stops or that everything is all a okay. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's just, you know, yeah. and I feel like, you know, that's what you and I, like, that's what we're trying to continuously tell people like mm. as using ourselves as examples. You know what I yeah, mean? I do. That's another thing, too, is I think people think that all of a sudden it's just going to snap into place. Like, I've been blogging for two years, and I'm finally, like, getting some traction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, no, and it, it comes from and it comes from putting in the work, too, of just, like, yeah. every day I'm going to show up, and I'm going to yeah. write the blog, I'm going to write the podcast, I'm going to run my business. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, like, you know, point five to see, like, my business, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I've had it since 2012, but only, like, in the last year have people actually heard of it. You know what I mean? I mean, even me, like I've been making videos on YouTube since 2009, but like only this year did I hit like over 35,000 followers. And that's mm. not even that, like when we in look the in the grand scheme, scheme of the internet. It's not, yeah, like the grand scheme of YouTube, like that's not that many mm. followers, you know? And so people are like, oh, how do you, how do you become this and how do you become that? I'm like, you do it because you, you just, you wanted to do, do it. For, and you it can't just, do it for the, yeah. for the people or for recognition. I have to do it because yeah. there's this thing in me that is saying, I need you to partner. Like it's like the, a creative spirit yeah. that comes to me and says, I want you to partner with me to do this, this idea. Mm-hmm. And then yep. you just have to, you have to do it or like, or like you won't get any sleep. Yeah. Like, damn it. Yep. That's the thing. It's like, you'll get woken up in the middle of the night by it. I'll wrap it up. Cause like, I know you okay. got to go live your life and whatnot. Um, <laughs> how many tattoos do you have? Uh, let's see. I have one, two, three, four, Mm. Then I have six, mm-hmm. seven on the side, mm-hmm. eight. Do they count this one? No. So nine. Nine. Nine? Nine. I, I win. I, I have 13. This is great. Uh, yeah, no, I have yeah. 14. I always forget about it. I just got this big one, and so I always forget. Oh, cool. It's my oh, favorite. Nice. It's awesome. Is that, is, is that leaves or feathers? Uh, it's a uh, like yeah. greenery. Oh, cool. Like okay, now I see it. Yep, yep, yep. Um, awesome. But yeah. What's it mean to you? Oh, three things. Uh, first, a reminder that life is simply a cycle of death and resurrection, that whenever something in life is coming to a close, like whenever a season is coming to an end, that something new is being birthed, something greater, something more beautiful. Um, the second thing, it's a kind of an homage to my fraternity because, okay. uh, the skull is a symbol of Sigma Phi Epsilon. And I was, a I was Greek in my undergrad, okay. which ironically speaking enough is like, that's this place where I learned where there's no wrong way to be a man. And then when I went back to church, I was taught the opposite. So I think, I think it's very interesting how God used, you know, being drunk at a, so many parties for, for me to finally be comfortable with myself. Um, and the third thing is, um, to about, I guess, what, what year we're in? It's 2016? So, yeah. yeah. 
So March 2014, um, I had just... Uh, come back from the mission field. I wasn't, I was not okay with my sexuality at that point. I was super depressed um, to the point where like in my head, there's this, there's a verse uh, that says this, that where Jesus says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And basically they're just talking about how uh, it's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He is on, like he's about to be arrested for his crucifixion. And he just wanted his friends to stay with him. And so I feel like when Jesus is saying the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, it's just like, that's the test of relationship right there. Is that so many times our spirits want to do something, but our flesh is just like, I'm tired. I don't really want to do this. Like, like, and it's almost just like, it's almost a challenge. I think to everyone, just like real family, real community comes from choosing better within yourself. Um, and so uh, that's what was in my head though. So like I was saying, okay, if my spirit is willing to be straight and line up with God's word, uh, but my flesh is the problem. So if I want to be in line with God's word, I'm going to just end my flesh. And so I, I, uh, I attempted suicide twice and it was like the saddest thing. And I, it didn't work. It didn't work twice. I'm just like, I can't even kill myself. This is... (laughs) Which is like yeah. morbid, morbid humor. But I um, no, no, I I, I can relate mm-hmm. to that concept. Yes, yeah. definitely. So mm-hmm. um, fast forward um, about a year later, I am I I get to go to this uh, conference called the Reformation Project, um, and they do um, training on the biblical case for LGBT inclusion and affirmation within the church. And so cool. um, I went there, and I had this really intense spiritual experience where. I, I I walked into the space and my prayer was like, God, either you're going to say that I, I need to choose celibacy and just like live into that, or you're Mm going to do something different and something different happened. It was like this, it was like standing under a waterfall of Mm -hmm. love. And I don't really know how to describe it other than that, but just like the, Mm -hmm. the entirety of the presence of God and the universe was just like, are all around me. And I felt like God was saying, just like, you know, I preserved you through all this because I wanted you to feel this moment to know that you are a true son, a member of this family. And it does not matter what anyone else has told you. This is what I tell you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I got this tattoo because I want to, I remember remarking in my journal a few nights later that I think it's funny how desperate I was to die, but now I've never been more sure and more hungry to live. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So I, yeah. Uh, it's just a reminder that like there was a point in my life when I did not want to live. Yeah. But like how sweet it is to know like that my life is worth everything and yeah. that can do. That's amazing. So that's what that's there for. And uh, yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I, I can relate to that. I like, you know, obviously in my own story and mm-hmm. you know, my own journeys, but um, I can definitely relate to the concept of like, literally looking back and being like there was so many days that I didn't even want to be alive mm-hmm. and now I'm like now I'm like almost scared to death now I'm like no 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 don't take me yet like I'm not done oh my like, gosh. I got so much yeah. to do it's like <laughs> you know I think about I mean? it this way like I always tell people I'm just like Jesus got killed at 33 like I've got to get to work because you never know <laughs> like yeah, yeah like I got like my my ministry like like my life's goal my uh my vocation like, and the same thing for you. It's just like your ministry, your vocation. Like yeah. we have to wake up every single day and choose into it because otherwise it's like, 
Yeah, and it's, you know, we were just saying yesterday, not to keep this conversation going forever, but we were just saying yesterday how, like, you have to choose every day, too. You, like, you choose one day, but then the next day you have to choose again, and then the next day you have to choose again, and the yeah. next day, like, you don't you, you don't just get to make the choice once, and then that feeling lasts forever. It's like, you have to choose spirit today, and then you have to choose it tomorrow, and then you have to choose it the next day, and some days you won't feel like choosing it, and some days it'll be great, you know what I mean? Yeah. And some days you'll start... And- and like some days like you'll just, or even some days you won't do it, and realize yeah. that's okay too. Like that's okay too. Have a bad yep. day and move on. And that was my conversation with Aiden Dowling. You can find Aiden Dowling all over the internet uh, at one of two things, either at YouTube or Instagram, which is his username is a lion's fear. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Aiden Dowling. That's A-Y-D-A-N-D-O-W-L-I-N-G. And you can also find Aiden Dowling's clothing line, 0.5cc, at 0.5cc.com, as well as 0.5cc on Twitter and on Instagram. Before I go, I wanted to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the sponsorships purchased and by my patrons on Patreon. Patreon is a really great tool for you to financially help out the content creators in your life that you love and adore. So if you feel like uh, helping contribute to the creation of these podcasts, you can go to thekevingarcia.com slash support and learn how you can become a patron. There's some really great perks that come with being a patron, like full, unedited interviews with my podcast guests, as well as t-shirts from shopprogress.org, newsletters, so much more, Google Hangouts, all the things, and uh, yeah, all from helping create something that you actually consume and hopefully enjoy. So again, go to thekevingarcia.com slash support and find out how you can become a patron through Patreon. And if you can't give financially, you can still help. Go over to the iTunes store and leave me a good rating and review. It seriously helps with connecting other people to this podcast who need to hear the stories that we're bringing to the table. And again, like I said at the beginning, if you didn't know, I write a blog on Christian faith, human sexuality, and American culture, and I've got an ebook that you can snag for free. Simply go over to thekevingarcia.com slash subscribe, and you can get all the stuff that I've been talking about. Woohoo! Last thing, and then I'm going to let you go. A Tiny Revolution is a part of the Bedlam Podcast Network. We're a collective of creatives sounding off on the things that matter, and we're pretty freaking awesome. Right now, I want you to go over to the podcast store and find Too Real with Cope. It's our very newest podcast, and uh, Corey Copeland, who is my dear friend, is talking with creatives that are doing amazing things in the world while still tackling some of life's hardest issues like you know, mental health, anxiety, you know, not having any sort of self-esteem, but being an artistic person. It's a really fascinating conversation with a really cool person. So I hope that you go check them out. Again, that's Too Real with Cope. We've also got some really cool stuff coming from my cousin, Anthony Garcia. I cannot wait to share that podcast with you as well as a couple other cool things we have coming up. So again, go to bedlampodcast.com to learn more about the Bedlam Podcast Network and any information on advertising. And by the way, our ad space is super duper cheap. So people like you, a blogger, a social entrepreneur, someone who's just now getting started can afford to reach a bigger audience. 
That's all I've got for this week. Um, I will see y'all in a couple of weeks for the different prides I'm at. I'll see you in California. And yeah, I love you. I hope you're doing good. Um, Until next week, this is a tiny revolution. I'm Kevin Garcia, and I will talk to you later. Bye now. Where have all the queers gone? Great question. I don't know. They're out there.